You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. You guys having fun yet? Yeah? Yeah, getting warmed up. Yeah? Uh, might be some late stragglers coming in, hopefully, soon. Um, so if you got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab that. And um, also, a, we do have programs. And I'm not sure if you got one of those. They're right on the back table there. Um, so maybe if you want one of those, that would be good. We can hand those out. Josh will hand those out to you. Um, so we got that. And if you want to open your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 28. Give you a second to find that. And um, I'd just like to open with some prayer. And then we'll jump in. Let's do that. God, we uh, thank you for a new year, a new day of life, and uh, where we know that we have today with you, and we thank you for that. And we know that every day is in your hands, Lord. And uh, though the years change and the seasons change, you never change. So you're the God that we come to this morning, the unchanging God of creation. We believe that you created us and all that we see. And uh, we believe this is your word, God, that we hold in our hands. And um, so, God, may we come not just to read it, but to be read by it. Allow you to search our hearts and to read us this morning. And uh, may we just open our hearts, God, where we can be a stubborn people and, um, and proud. And just ask that you would help us to humble ourselves this morning and to really listen um, to what you have to say to us, Lord. And uh, may your Holy Spirit... Just open our eyes. We thank you for the gift of your spirit that lives within us. And um, so, Lord, we just uh, ask that you would guide us in Christ's name and for his glory. So all his people said, amen. All right. Genesis 28. I guess I should have found that too. All right. A little background here as we read this. Some of you are familiar with the story. Um, Jacob sees, he has a dream sees a vision of a ladder of angels ascending and descending. Anybody familiar with that story? All right. We're going to read that this morning. A little background. Um, so Abraham is, would be Jacob's grandfather. Abraham has, uh, hears from the Lord, the God of creation, reveals himself to Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lead you to this new land, bless you. And your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky, in the heavens. And um, it's harder to see the stars here in Portland because we're in the city and it's usually cloudy. But I can I you in, in Abraham's time when he looked up, there were stars you could not count. So God gives Abraham this amazing promise that he's going to be with him. He's going to bless his descendants. Abraham and his wife have a son, Isaac. God continues to confirm the promise to Isaac and that Isaac and his wife have a son. Jacob, and then they have Esau. Jacob and Esau are brothers. Jacob and Esau get in a fight because Jacob deceives him and steals steals the blessing of the firstborn, which is Esau. So here's where we find ourselves today is Jacob's on the run because his brother Esau wants to kill him. And apparently Jacob doesn't think he could take his brother, so he's just jetting. So he's going off to his, basically his uncle's house and hopefully to find a wife. So that's where he is today. He's on his way. I mean, not today. It was back then, a long time ago. But 
That's where we find him today in this passage. Jake, uh, Genesis 28 and verse 10. Let's read this together. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And you and your offspring, and, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob's traveling, gets tired, and he decides to take a, take a nap or to go to sleep for the night. He grabs a nice hard pillow, and I don't know what that's all about. I probably wouldn't grab a stone for my pillow, but apparently they liked the hard pillows back then. I don't know what's going on there. Lays down on this pillow, this stone, and begins to dream. And in this dream, he sees this vision, and a ladder, or it could also literally be steps, going up to heaven. So the, what's happening here is, and what he sees is, a connection of heaven to earth, right? We think of heaven as this place way up in the sky somewhere far, far away where it's really, really bright, right, and white, and everyone's flying around with wings and harps. You guys with me? It's heaven, right? I mean, clearly in the Bible, we're going to all be issued a harp when we get there. Amen? And some wings. We're going we're to flutter around with the angels. Okay. That's how we tend to think of heaven. Um, and so we think of heaven as like that and way out there. And then here's the earth, the physical realm. And we're like, man, I can't wait till we escape this earth, until we fly away into glory, never to return again. Um, part of the problem with that is I actually read to the end of the story. And guess where heaven's going to be for all of eternity? Anybody know? Shout it out. Right here <laughs> on the earth. So Jacob sees this. He sees this connection. And angels are ascending and descending from the earth heaven, earth to heaven. This is the vision that he sees. And then God is at the top of this ladder and he actually speaks. And what he's doing is he's confirming the promise that he gave to his grandfather, to his father, <coughs> that he would be with him, that he would give him the land and bless his offspring. And if you notice in there, that through your offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What that's all about in a nutshell is the Jewish people. Through the Jewish people, God sends his promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, to save us from our sins so we can have life. And that's how all the families of the entire earth are going to be blessed. We'll unpack that a little more in a minute. Um, so he's given this promise. I want you to notice one thing here that he says. And if you, if you like to write in your Bibles, if you have a pen or a pencil, this, it's okay to do that. Um, you don't have to. But if you do like to do that, underline verse 15 where God says to him, Behold, I am with you. This is a key phrase that you'll see come up throughout the Bible. I am with you. Behold, I am with you. This is the promise that he gives. And we'll unpack this in a little bit. 
Here's what I want to focus on right now. Jacob awakes from the dream and he realizes that God was in that place where he is. He says, look what he says. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Surely God is in this place and I did not know it. So Jacob realizes God is here. God is here. He didn't even realize it. Jacob was just having a normal day, or maybe actually an abnormal day. Things were going badly. Nothing exciting. Brother's trying to kill him. He's on the run, right? Just like, would you imagine God to be where Jacob was? Stopping off, you're, you're traveling, you stop off on the side of the road at a gas station to go to the bathroom, right? Decide to take a nap in your car. Let's bring it home for today. Take a nap in your car, and then you realize, oh my gosh, God, God is at this gas station. This is the place of God's dwelling. Say that God was in this place, and I did not realize it. You notice that? Actually, when I, when I first read this a long time ago, I started studying this passage, I was kind of surprised. Wouldn't you say God was here? And I woke up, and I didn't realize it. Even after he wakes, he said, God is here. God is in this place. I just didn't realize it. Um, one commentator, a Jewish commentator, says of this passage, he interprets it this way, is that what Jacob was really saying was, if I had known God was in this place, I would not have fallen asleep. If I had known God was in this place, I would not have fallen asleep. You guys, if, uh, what if I told you that God is in this place right now? Some of you guys are, might be falling asleep right now. And you can have some grace this morning since last night was New Year's Eve. Uh, and maybe my sermon's just boring the heck out of you right now. I apologize. But you might be falling asleep. What if I told you God is in this place right now? God, the creator God that's beyond everything that you see, right, is here right now. How would that, and you really believe that. You're like, oh my gosh, he's here? How would that change your attitude right now coming in this morning? I mean, hopefully we wouldn't be falling asleep. We'd be trying to to keep ourselves awake. But even maybe we'd be more engaged when we're singing these songs up here. And we'd be like, wow, if God's really here, I'm a a little bit kind of spinning right now. I'm going, dude, God is here, man. What what is God like? This is trippy. This is crazy. God is here, the creator. I want to know more about him. During the meet and greet time, I'm going to go over and maybe say hi to him and ask how his New Year's Eve was, you know? I'm going to bypass everybody else. What if that was the reality, that God was here? This is what Jacob's saying. If I'd have known that, I would not have fallen asleep. Jacob's saying basically that God was there. Here's the problem, is that we have this distinction between the spiritual and the physical realm. And we're actually, you may not realize this, sorry to break it to you, we're influenced heavily by Greek thinking. And this is where this comes from. In the Jewish, uh, in this time period, the Jewish people, people in the Middle East, which was basically the known world of the time, they didn't see a distinction between the physical and the spiritual. Did you know that? There was no distinction. They were the same. When you're, when you're walking on this earth, and you're hanging out, I'm in the spiritual realm. When I go and grab this water and I drink it, it's a spiritual thing is happening. When I take the garbage out for my wife. That's spiritual. That's an act of worship. The spiritual thing is happening. It's not like 
there's the spiritual realm way out there, and this is the physical. Yeah, that's Greek thinking, Greek philosophy came up with that. We're influenced by it. So we tend to, to think of the spiritual as this thing way out there, and so what we'll do is I need to escape this physical realm somehow and get into the spiritual. I need to reach like nirvana or whatever, right? So we'll start kind of chanting and, Alrighty then. Right? We're just kind of doing that kind of stuff. And it's like the more I do that, I'd keep my eyes closed really tight. Like when we pray, we like close our eyes really tight. You know, so now this does help us focus on God, but we're trying to kind of escape this physical realm and go to the spiritual. What tends to be the problem with that is that we separate our lives. And so when we're here, we're really spiritual and we're singing songs and Billy's giving that spiritual message and we're thinking about spiritual stuff. It's really spiritual right now or when I'm having my quiet time and I close my eyes really tight and I'm trying to get to that spiritual place. But then when I'm at home just hanging out and I'm hanging out with my wife or I'm going to school or I'm going to work, it's just the physical, you know. Can't wait to get done with this job so I can go worship, right? We tend to kind of do that. They're not separate. When you're going to work, you're worshiping God. God is, God is in that place. This is what we're driving at here. God is in this place and we did not know it. Um, Turn with me. I'm going to take you to a few passages today. So if you like turning around your Bible, awesome. If you don't, I'll just read them out to you. But I'd love for you to turn there, if you would, to Exodus, just one book ahead. Chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Moses in the burning bush. Most of you know this passage. Even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard of Moses in the burning bush, right? All right. Verse 1, so this is about 400 years later-ish. Egypt lives there, as some of you know. The Jewish people begin to um, become numerous there after about 400 years of slavery. And so, I'm sorry, they become numerous, and so Pharaoh makes them slaves. They're slaves for about 400 years. Moses, you know the story of Moses, putting a basket in the water, he survives. God raises him up says they're going to set, set my people free and lead them out of Egypt. So here's where we find ourselves with Moses. He is out tending sheep. This is actually, this is interesting. Moses was in Egypt for 40 years. Then he left, killed someone, went out to the desert. Guess how long he lived out in the desert before this happened? 40 years. Moses is 80 right now. Do you know that? 80 years old. You can do the math. I took a class one time and they calculated it out. It's true. He's 80 years old. He's a senior citizen. Probably not so in that time. And he's working a nine-to-five job, herding sheep. Again, nothing too exciting going on. This guy's out 80 years old, working the nine-to-five, working the grind. Here's what happens. Verse 1, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father Jethro, the priest, and he led his side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst, midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, and it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Here's what's happening here is Moses is chilling, hanging out. It's a regular day. 
Maybe it's a Monday. He's got his sheep. He's doing a sheep herding thing. I don't know a lot about sheep herding, okay? But he's doing it. <laughs> Done it many times. He knows what's going on. Sees a bush burning, but he notices, oh, there's a bush burning, but it doesn't look like it's being consumed. And then it says, Moses says, verse 3, I will turn aside to see, to see this. Then look what it says right after that. When the Lord saw that he had what? Tell me. What does it say? What's that? Turn aside. What made God decide to speak to Moses when he saw that he had turned aside to see? Here's what's cool about this is I'm sure Moses has seen some burning bushes in his day. I mean, there tend to be fires <laughs> all around, you know. Seeing a bush burning probably wasn't anything interesting other than maybe I should go over there and dump some water on that so it doesn't turn into some kind of huge fire, out-of-control fire. Moses notices there's something peculiar about it, but you know what? I think that Moses could have easily walked away from that whole scenario. He could have said, eh, whatever, and just kept going. I'm not going to deal with it. But it specifically says in here that he turned aside to see. He, he's like this. He turned aside and exerted energy to go over there and to see what it was. You guys with me? Then God saw that Moses turned aside and went over to where it was to see what was going on. And that's when Moses spoke to him. Or that's when God spoke to him. He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. What's significant about this? I think it's significant because this is the way God always works throughout Scripture. You notice that? Most of the time. He doesn't like walk up. I'm just hanging out doing my thing. He's like, Billy, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Now, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry, Lord. He just, he, you know, we're, we're, we're living our life. Maybe we're not a believer. We're not a Christian. We're just like, whatever, dude. I've heard about God. I, I don't care. Living my life, doing my own thing. Yeah, I'm screwing it up, but I'm happy. Right? And we hear about God. We hear, but God's not running around shaking, shaking you going, what are you doing? Don't you know that I'm real? Look. Look, I'm real. You need to obey me. You do all these things. He just speaks quietly. He maybe shows up and, oh, that's, that's interesting. There's a bush burning. Yeah. Nah, I got stuff to do. Right? Same way. God does that throughout Scripture. He just he speaks in this quiet voice. He presents himself why doesn't, he, why doesn't God just show up? Moses is tending sheep, and he's just like, what up, dude? <laughs> and Moses is like, holy cow, on my face. You know what I mean? He's just like, what's, God, what's going through God's mind when he's in heaven going, hmm, how should I appear to Moses? Ah, I know. This is going to be good. Isn't that funny? I'm going to show up in a burning bush, and I won't be consumed. And then we'll see if he turns aside to look. This is how God works. He, he woos us. He wants to reveal himself to us. We need to turn aside and see. This, us as a church, guys, when we're singing these songs, everything that we do in life, this is an example. We're singing these songs. We're singing songs of God, and we're like, I call upon him. What are you having for lunch today? Oh, na, na, na. When's this going to be over? I hate the song. <laughs> you know, these guys suck. Oh, uh. You know, or we can be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage in worship today because I believe God is real. I'm going to raise my hands and be like, I'm going to call upon your name, God. Yeah, I believe that. I'm going to engage. I'm going to turn aside to see what God has for me. Everything in our life, in our, our relationships with people,
Obs, you can just get up and go to work, clock in, clock out, get the heck out of there. Or you can go in going, God, what do you have for me today at my job? I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn aside to see. Maybe you're working in some way. You guys following me on this? I love that God does this. And then Moses, God says to Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Why did Moses have his shoes on before? He didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't thinking it was holy ground. I'm just at work, dude. Herding my sheep, got my coffee. Can't wait till I get off. <laughs> Gonna go party or whatever. Whatever Moses did back then. At 80 years old, I don't know. But guess what? Was the ground holy that whole time? Had the ground been holy for 40 years? Moses going in there, herding his sheep, clocking in, clocking out. It was always holy because God was there. This is a completely different place than where Jacob fell asleep. You guys know God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. This is his world. He is in it. God is present. So we got to what? Wake up. If I had known God was here, I would not have fallen asleep. If Moses had known God was in that place, he wouldn't have just this coffee like herding his sheep around, right? If I had known God was in my house yesterday, God was in my relationships, he was at my job, he was here today. If I had known he was here, guess what? Surprise, he's here today. He is here. His presence is here among us. We can either fall asleep or we can wake up to his glory. And he's whispering to us and he's calling to us from the bush. That's what's going on here. Um, there's one thing the Jewish people do. They've done it throughout history. I, I, love that, I love that they do this. It's called the Berakah. So they have a Berakah. It means blessing for everything that they do. Jesus did it when he broke the bread, the communion supper, before they eat. They're like, blessed be you, Lord God, who gave, gives forth bread from the earth. They bless it. They're about to eat. They bless, their, they, they bless God. They don't bless the food. FYI, if I can just squeeze this in here. Food's already blessed. Okay. It's kind of one of those things we do, like, God bless this food. God bless this greasy pizza. Somehow make it healthy when it goes into my body. I mean, I could have an apple, but, you know. Um, anyway, side note. So they, they give this blessing. They had blessings for everything they did throughout the day. Yeah, did they get kind of carried away? Probably. But every step that they took, they tried to they'd bless God. Guess what? They blessed God when they went to the bathroom. I kid you not. I'll pull out the documents if you want to see them after. I've researched this. When they went to the bathroom, they would, there was a blessing that they would say to God. And they would praise him and thank him for all the internal organs that work so perfectly to cause us to happen, to relieve themselves. I'm dead serious. It's a good thing. You guys, when you, amen. When you guys go home today, you can bless God while you're going to the bathroom. And going to the bathroom is a blessing as long as everything's coming out all right. Am I right? Okay, no? All right. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. It's okay to laugh this morning. Um, so, this is the principle, and this is why this comes from the Jewish mind, is that when I'm going to the bathroom, when I'm eating my cereal in the morning, when I'm hanging out with people, this is spiritual. God is right here, present. We'll get into this in a minute. The Holy Spirit is living inside of me, if I believe in God. Those things are spiritual things. We tend to think of them as the everyday. I just can't wait for something exciting to happen. Guess what happens? We come to church, and then we have this amazing service, 
and it makes us cry, and we're like, ah, oh, and then they're like, okay, that was spiritual. Now I want that every week. Oh, man, I didn't get it this week. Oh, this week I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't like the music this week. Ah, you know what? I got to go to another church and try to find it. I mean, maybe this church will help me have a spiritual experience, quote, unquote. That's, we're missing it, you guys, when we think that way. We have a choice to fall asleep or to wake up and to turn aside. You with me? All right. goes on, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I guess he was there the whole time. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the land, hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good land, a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And the Menentites might have been there too. We're not really sure. Uh, Yes. And now, behold... The cry of the people of Israel has come to me. What a way to ruin just a great passage of God speaking. I'm sorry. And I have also seen the oppression with which which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So at this point, I could see Moses thinking, God's telling him, I've seen the oppression. There's going to be justice. I'm going to come down. I'm going to rescue them out of If I was Moses, I'd be like, sweet, go God. I'll be right behind you, cheering you on. Do it. Then look what he says. Come, I will send who? You to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, if that was me, I'd be like, "Uh, are you sure you thought this through? (laughs) Probably not a good idea. (laughs) Probably not the best guy for this. What does Moses say? But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And if you read the rest of the story, Moses basically tries everything he can possibly do to get out of this. And God actually gets mad at him, and he still has to do it. Here's what he says. Verse 12. Get your pen out if you like underlining things or write it in your notes. He said, what did he say? Somebody read it to me. No one's got their Bible open. Yeah. But I will be with you. What did he say to Abraham, Moses, or Jacob, Isaac? I will be, I love that. I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Here's what I love about this. God is always working. Here's what this passage right here tells us. God had seen all those years in Egypt, 400 years where they're slaves. They're like, God, where are you? What's going on? He saw it the whole time. He watched it. He felt the pain of his people. And then he's been planning to come up with this great plan that this baby who was rescued from the Nile in a basket, he was going to use to lead his people miraculously out of Egypt, a story that we're still reading about today. And the whole world knows, pretty much. That's what he was planning to do. He, is, he was alive. He was working. Moses walks his sheep out, realizes, oh my gosh, I'm on holy ground. I didn't even realize it. Oh my gosh, you've been working this entire time and you have a plan to set the, your people free. Oh my gosh, I'm a part of that plan. 
You imagine one day you get up, go to work, clock in, and that's, that's what happens at work? God's been working this whole time. Why doesn't he just do it himself is the question I want to know. I'm looking around this room, myself included. It's a ragtag group of people called Red Sea Church. I'm sorry, right? That's us. We're going to save the world. We're going to save St. John's. Is, hard, is that going to happen? God, seriously, like, you need to come up with a better plan. Can't you make, like, some perfect evangelism robots that you, like, send out? They're like, you know what I mean? Just put down. Why does, he, why does he do this? I believe it's because he wants, he's a relational God. And he wants to include us in the work that he's doing. He's doing the work. It's him, dude. Moses didn't have a clue what was going on. Half the time we don't. We're either sleeping or we just don't see it because we're not turning aside to look at it. God's working. Could it be that God right now cares about this community of St. John's and he sees people every day and he has plans to save them and to restore their lives in the Portland area and the entire globe and the world. And he wants it to happen and he feels passionately, but he's calling people here and there. You, 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 hey, you, wake up. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to be a part of it. And he's bringing us in to make it happen. It's, it's amazing that he does this. We're going to jump to the New Testament, John chapter 6. How is God, what is God doing right now? What's he been up to? There's a question. Since the time of Moses. You guys all know the story. They were led out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, into the Promised Land, Jewish people. Here's what he has been doing. I will be with you. Christmas, just celebrated it. God sent the Messiah, the Son of God who lived for all of eternity with God the Father, sent down as a little baby wrapped up in flesh, Emmanuel. Who knows what Emmanuel means? Shout it out. Oh, nice. Good job, you guys. God with us, I will be with you. That is the culmination of I will be with you. I'm going to become one of you. Still 100% God, but also 100% man. It's 100% human. Unbelievable. Wrapped up in the flesh of a baby. Why? To come to us to save us from our sins. John chapter 6. So Jesus is started, starts his ministry. He's on the earth. He's preaching. He's gathering disciples. In verse 22. Uh, verse 25. Actually, let's start in 22. Read the story. Next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten after the Lord had given thanks. This is when he distributed the loaves miraculously to all the people, and they ate and were filled. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me because you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father will set his seal. And guess what they say to him? Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? This is a crazy question. So they ask him, this is what's on their mind, the people's mind. This is what's always on our mind. What are we supposed to be doing for you, God? What's the, what's the work we're supposed to be doing? Why do we ask that question? The reason is because that's how we're wired. 
give me something to accomplish, and I'll go accomplish it, and then I'll come back, and you can pat me on the back and say, good job. You really did it. You really led those people out of Egypt. Good job. What, what should we be doing? What are we going to do that's going to please you, God, where I can say, yeah, I'm doing good in God's eyes. He's happy with me, and I'm also better than you because I noticed you didn't do that last week. So just reminding you. Right? That's how we're wired. We like that. I, I, I feel good about myself. The unfortunate thing is when we screw up, then, then it's over, right? What must we be doing to do the works of God? Here's Jesus' answer. It's amazing. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. What? <laughs> Isn't that a sucky answer? <laughs> believe it. Of course we believe in you. What are we supposed to do? Right? That's Jesus' answer. Believe in the one whom he has sent. Well, they didn't believe in him. They weren't following him because they thought he was the, the, the promised Messiah who would save them from their sins. They're following him because they're hungry and they got a sweet meal the other night and they want another one. Follow him out of their flesh. And now they want to go do a bunch of good works to be, to be pleased in his sight. Last passage I'll take you to, 2 Corinthians 5. This kind of sums up what that means. Jesus is saying, believe in the one whom God has sent. He's saying, believe in me. Here's what I would submit to you today. That usually the problem with us in our lives is not that we're not working hard enough. Because usually that's the first place we go. Is you know, you know what? You guys need to read your Bibles more this year. You need to make some serious New Year's resolutions this year. You need to read this thing every day for like an hour. And you better stick to it. Then, then you'll, be, you'll have arrived. And you'll be close to God if you just do that. You need to, like, start telling all your neighbors about Jesus. I don't care if they want to listen or not. You need to shove it down their throat. It's not your problem, right? Beat them over the head with your Bible, whatever it takes. If they don't like you anymore, oh, well. Move on. You know, then, then God will be pleased with you. That's what you need to do. Try harder, do more, work harder. That's usually not the problem. That's usually not the answer. The problem with us is that we don't believe. We don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the, here it is, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh from a human point of view. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How did that happen? Here's what God's been doing. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here's what God's been doing. You catch that? He sent Jesus to the earth and in Jesus, God was in Jesus He's been reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins. You've sinned against me. You guys have all, you know, flipped me the bird in your own way and said, I'm living my own life my own way. I made everything. You know what? Screw it then. Do away with it all. He doesn't do that. He not only comes down to save us, but he also says, I'm not going to count your sins against you. How does he pull that off? Next verse. Actually, it's not the next verse, I'm sorry. Verse 21, let's just jump ahead. 
For our sake, he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin? Stop right there. Break that down. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect before the Father. He made him to be sin. That means he took all of our sins upon himself when he was sacrificed on the cross. Made him who knew no sin to be sin so that, we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We sinners who are unworthy and rebelled against God can now be the righteousness of God because Christ was righteous for us. He lived the righteous life. Isn't that amazing? That's the gospel. That's what God's done. He's done it for us. He's done the work. Now he calls us, what? Into a relationship. He says, I'm the bread of life from heaven. That's what he says in there. Isn't, isn't that interesting? God talks to us like he's food to be eaten. You ever thought about that? It's like, no, I'm not up in heaven giving you directions, and you're supposed to go do a bunch of stuff. I'm bread, and you need to eat, feast on me. That's relational language. Of course, it's metaphor, but it's relational. He's saying, I am working. I'm the one that's doing all this. I created this whole thing. I'm not worried. I have a plan. I'm setting my people free. I'm setting people free from their sin, from destruction and hopelessness. I provided a way in my son Jesus for people to have hope, and I'm inviting you to come in with me and be a part of that. Because he wants to do it with us. I, um, painted, I built and painted a fence once in my life. Just, Josh is laughing. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. No, but it, it is actually hilarious because I suck at that kind of stuff. But uh, so I managed to buy this thing at Home Depot and made this fence. We own, you know, this house we own. And so put it up. Now I was going to paint it. And so, you know, I'm going to be the cool father and have my kids. And they were a lot smaller back then. Have my kids help me paint this fence. It's going to be great, right? They're going to join me in the work. And so... We go out, we get this paint bucket. It was absolute disastrous. Um, I'm, I'm trying to let them paint, but I'm like trying to be cool about it. But they're just everywhere except the fence, like all over my clothes, over everything. But it was the best, it was like one of the best times. Like we had such a fun time together. We're laughing. And you know what? The fence got painted. It didn't look as good as I would have liked it to, but it got done. And I'm so glad that I did that because I haven't always made that choice. Sometimes I'm just like, you know what, you guys don't bother daddy. I just got to bust this out right now, right? I don't want you guys getting in the way. But I love the relational aspect that they join me in that work. I think that's what, in a way, is what God's doing. He's doing the work. He has the passion, the desire, but he wants us to feel that with him. He wants us to feel the way he does about the world, about the loss, and about himself, and about heaven, and about, about the glory that he's offering to us. He wants us to feel that way, and he wants us to join him as he's doing that, just like he called Moses in, who Read the story, dude. Moses screwed up many times through that whole affair. (laughs) Somehow God pulled it off. We've screwed up throughout the Bible, but God continues to invite us in to do that. So New Year's resolutions, I'm not against them. I made one on the way today in the car. We'll see how long I last, okay? But here's a resolution, guys. We'll leave you with this as we enter into some more worship and communion together. If we had known God was in this place, would we have fallen asleep? That's it. I love that line. If I had known God was in this place, I would not have fallen asleep. If I had known God was there when I was hanging out with my neighbor, just shooting the breeze with them, if I had known he was there, maybe even calling them to himself in some way, and I was there, I had an opportunity to love them or to reach out to them in some way, but I didn't. I wouldn't have fallen asleep. I wouldn't have just went by like, this is just another day. Heidi, ho neighbor. Thanks, 
you know, check out my groceries at the stand, clock in, avoid my boss, clock out. If I had known God was actively working and present, I would not have fallen asleep. This is my challenge today as we worship, that we wouldn't fall asleep, that we would wake up. That's our job. That's our work is to wake up. Amen? To wake up. Let's start the new year. It's Red Sea believing. It doesn't matter how many people are coming to our church. It doesn't matter what kind of results we think that we're seeing that we should be accomplishing. Are we going to wake up and go, God, you are here. You're present. You're working. And, and when I'm in this building, when I'm outside this building, when I'm at my home in Gresham, Beaverton, St. John's, wherever, we're together. And I'm going to be awake. I'm going to stay awake, God. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal how you're working. Um, we're going to take communion. This is the bread. represents the body of Christ. He gave his life for us on the cross so that we could be made the righteousness of God. The juice and the wine represents his blood that was spilled for us. As we worship and sing, feel free at any time you can come up and take that. Take off a piece of the bread and dip it in the, in the juice or the wine. Let's think about what we're doing, that God is present, and that this is what our God has done for us. He's calling us into a relationship with him and to enter in the work that he began at the cross and he's still doing through the cross. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just, um, I just thank you for revealing yourself to us. You do, God, you call gently so many times from the burning bush, and I have failed so many times to turn aside because I just got too much going in my own life, and I repent of that this morning. And um, I just confess that I need you, God. I need to stand in awe of the cross again, what you have done there, and not take it lightly to realize the sacrifice you made so that I could have life and I could be set free. God, just open our eyes this morning. We fall asleep just like your disciples in the garden couldn't stay awake. God, we struggle to stay awake. Our eyes grow heavy. It's just hard for us in our flesh. So may you help us this morning to wake up and to realize that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are with them also, and that you're here with us this morning, that you're very... Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.